and welcome back to the Prism Podcast. My name is Sydney Lish, but you can call me Sid. After five years of mentoring thousands of people as a wellness entrepreneur, I figured it was time to create a one-stop shop for you to find all things business advice, health and wellness, success principles, creating legacy income, tangible tips, motivation, and more. The Prism Podcast captures a full spectrum of all the information you need to actualize your excellence. So let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Prism Podcast. And today we have an incredible episode with Dr. Catherine Zagoni. She is a naturopathic doctor. And our conversation was so different and something that I literally knew nothing really about until I had researched her a little bit. She was a referral from a few friends of mine who have worked really closely with her for a long, long time. And we talked about, you know, everything from like biological age, how to reverse your biological age, um, how that affects fertility, how to test your fertility levels, what you can do to really optimize, um, even if you are infertile, if you're on the brink of being infertile, or if you have, you know, issues with that, everything that she really does, she'll go anywhere with you. And that's what I loved. I could lit- I felt like I could literally talk to her about anything and she would be able to combine like the brain of a doctor but the support and the heart of like a true healer. And I really love how she combines like modern and Eastern medicine together uh, to get results for her clients. So this conversation, you guys, even if you're not, you know, looking into stuff around fertility after listening to this episode, I think you might change your mind. It was such a fabulous episode without further ado, we're going to dive right in because I don't want to take too much time here. But again, thank you guys for listening. If you love this episode, reach out to Dr. Z, um, give her a shout out, thank her for her time, leave a rating, a review. It means so much like the video if you're on YouTube. Um, and I love you guys. Thank you so much for the support. And again, without further ado, Dr. Z. All right, everyone. We are here with Catherine Zagoni today, and I am so excited to have this conversation. I was I was researching her and found so many different you know friends who have who have worked with this woman, and um, everyone just had the best things to say about you. So I'm so excited for you to be here today. Thank you so much, Sid. I really appreciate it. Yes, of course, of course. So if you can just kind of give some background for everyone, you are a natural diet or a naturopathic dietitian, correct? I'm a naturopathic doctor. A naturopathic a doctor. doctor. They call me Dr. Z, um, which Z. means I'm trained as a primary care physician specializing in natural medicine. So I did four years of, of naturopathic medical school. So I know all the diagnostics, all the physical exam. Um, but I, and all the pharmacology, but I also had to learn how to actually help the body heal itself naturally. So instead of suppressing symptoms with surgery or, or medications, how do we actually inspire health and help the body heal itself through what we eat, how we sleep, stress, love, um, the environment toxins and, um, and, and also using botanicals when appropriate using food as medicine, physical medicine, um, mind body medicine. So I have a, a very large toolbox, which is very fun. I get to use, and um, and I've been in practice almost a decade now, and uh, love what I do. I wouldn't I wouldn't do anything else in the world. And and my my first love within naturopathic medicine is women's health and fertility. Mm, I love that. And were you always, um, you know, when you were educated, was it was it something that you always knew you wanted to go down the naturopathic route? 
or did that come on later because of something? Because I know a lot of non-naturopathic doctors don't really get educated on the importance of nutrition and, and all of that. And I think that's a huge flaw in the system. Definitely. I joke that I was born into it. So I was born at home, breastfed till I was four, which was totally a weird thing in the eighties in Chicago. Um, but like, God bless my mom for, for choosing that and for my dad, for, you know, supporting her in that decision. And, um, we didn't go to the doctor much growing up. Everything, like if, if we got sick, my mom was like, take some vitamin C and some probiotics. Like that was, <laughs> that was the cure all for everything. Yes, totally. <laughs> I'm from the Midwest too. So yeah, it's like have a bologna sandwich and some airborne. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, but then when I was in high school, my mom got really sick and was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis and chronic fatigue syndrome, which really means they had no idea what was going on. Um, and so this was a moment where she was like, okay, well, this is what, you know, when you're really sick, this is what medicine is for is, is, you know, when the food and stuff isn't working. And so, she went that route. She was on a lot of medication, uh, chemotherapy, steroids, because they didn't really know what to do with her. She eventually was almost bedridden practically. Like she would stay in bed until we got home from work and school so that she had enough energy to make dinner and spend some time with us and then go back to bed. And being like a terrible teenage girl was like very mean to my mother and didn't know how sick she was, but you know, like I've gotten to heal through that with her. Um, And at some point she was like, if I keep going this route, I'm going to die. And she had to find something else. And so she did ended up seeing a chiropractor in Chicago and my dad would drive her. We we were in the suburbs. So my dad would drive her back and forth twice a week. And after about six months, she was 80% better, got herself off all her medications. Um, and it was completely life-changing. And now she's, we joke that she's like 96% better consistently, unless she has too much wine, too much sugar, or too much mother-in-law. (laughs) that's incredible yeah that's incredible so I got to see like that transformation right in front of Mm -hmm. my eyes and knew knew that this was the route I needed to go I thought I was going to be an MD and then do an integrative residency took the MCAT started all the applications um but but once I found naturopathic medicine I was like oh no I can actually like be a doctor and learn all the things that I want to learn in a shorter period of time than like having to do a separate botanical training and a separate mind body training and, and all of that. So, yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of like been part of my destiny, I would say. I love that. It feels very in alignment for you. And I know, I know that you obviously we're going to get into fertility and everything like that. And you talk a lot about biological age and precision medicine and all these different things. Can you kind of, um, maybe expound or elaborate on what has you interested and really passionate about those things. Cause what I find is usually the things people are most passionate about are the things that they've personally struggled with or dealt with or learned from in their life. So did you have a personal experience around these topics? Um, yes, yes. So when I was doing my undergrad, I watched, <laughs> um, family members struggle with infertility and go through so many rounds of IVF and, and, um, eventually have three beautiful girls, which is such a blessing. Um, but then that like seeing that struggle and that heartbreak, that is part of that process. I was like, there's gotta be something I can do, (laughs) you know, like, I mean, in that moment there wasn't, but that kind of framed going into naturopathic medical school of like, you know, looking at everything through the lens of of fertility and that fertility is really a byproduct of health. So if we cultivate health in the body or find the things that are stopping that full expression of health in the body, we can optimize and or restore fertility. 
Mm. And with biological age specifically, this has been a more recent thing for me um, and very personal for me. So I'm in my mid thirties, single in LA and I want babies. And <laughs> right. totally, I'm sure yeah. there's plenty of me out there too. Like I'm sure lot. there's <laughs> millions of, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, and in my practice, what I have seen is that it's not so much age. I mean, age matters and menopause is real, but, you know, sometimes I'll have a couple and, and the mama to be will be, you know, let's say 38 or 39 and she'll get pregnant much easier than my 32 year old. And it's a matter of health. It's not a matter of age. And so now we have this term biological age, which is actually the age of our cells, which is a measure of our health. So biological age is a reflection of that health and that, that cellular age. And so I was introduced to this test, the biological age test, um, a couple of years ago in practice. And I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to take it. I'm going to come back at 28. I was like, I'm like, I'm doing everything right. Um, and, and so I took the test quick little finger prick, sent it off, got my results in a couple of weeks. And I came back four years older than I was. Yes. Yes. So now I'm like, okay, single mid thirties in LA want babies. (laughs) This is like a fertility death sentence right here. Uh huh. Um, so then I'm like, okay, now it's my life mission to figure this out and fix it. Yeah. So I dove into the research and I'm like, so can we actually reverse this biological age? Um, and knowing that it's cellular health and knowing that we can always cultivate more health. I'm like, theoretically, this should be possible. Um, and there were only a few papers published in the research at the time showing that it was possible and the things that they had used, um, you know, one of the papers, it was like, you know, like weird medications that they were using to like rewind the biological clock. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to take any of those, but what's the mechanism behind that? And what can I do to, um, you know, try and get the same effect. So I put myself on a protocol. I retested eight weeks later and I rewound my biological clock by a full two years in eight weeks. Uh, Yep. What did you do? Um, So for that time it was fasting. So I did two five day fasting mimicking diets in the two months. And I did, I cycled on and off of keto. Um, And then I did, I didn't do a ton of supplementation. I took like a methylated B complex. Um, I did a little bit of NAD mm-hmm. um, and some green tea, nothing crazy though, but it was mostly the fasting com- that was like the biggest part. And then more recently, cause you know, I'm, I'm like doing this test every couple of months now. Cause I just, right. I'm like tracking. Yeah. And so for my 35th birthday in March, um, I did my test like a couple of weeks before cause I wanted my results for my birthday. And, um, for my 35th birthday, I came back at 31 and three quarters. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That is amazing. So you literally have reversed it like years and years, years and years. Yeah. So my first test came back at, um, I was like over 37, I was like 37 and a half and now I'm 31 and three quarters. So, and you've gotten older, like that was quite over there. Exactly. 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 So it takes time to rewind the clock, you know, six years or six ish years, um, but now, you know, when I like am on hinge or like, I'm not a Tinder girl, but you know, if, if I'm like meeting somebody or I'm like salsa dancing, it's not like, oh my God, I got to make the babies. It's like, okay, I have time. Like I am healthy. I'm vibrant. And like, I can really find the right partner. Like there's, there's no rush. There is urgency because like I said, menopause is a real thing. Um, but the sooner we start by looking at our biological age and doing the right things to rewind the clock and keep the clock ticking backwards or ticking slower, the more time we have to have healthy babies. 
can you dive in a little bit more into cleansing and intermittent fasting? Cause that's something I do every single week religiously, and it's made such a difference in my life for so many reasons, but can you kind of talk about like what it's doing to the cell, how it's actually reversing the aging process? Sure. Yeah. And there's different types of fasting, um, and, and different timeframes and, and styles of fasting have slightly different effects, but in general, um, like one, there's like kind of like two mechanisms, I guess I'll talk about right now. One is, well, I guess we could go on for a long time. I'll, I'll, we'll see where, we'll see how many we Keep get going. to. <laughs> um, so one, it would be the growth hormone optimization component of fasting. So we know that like something like intermittent fasting supports, um, improving growth hormone secretion. Um, and growth hormone is mostly secreted when we're sleeping and in, in like little pulses. Um, and it's part of this circadian rhythm. Um, and growth hormone was actually one of the things in the papers when they used the medications to rewind the biological clock, it was one of the things that rewound the biological clock. So it's an anti-aging hormone that we make ourselves. Intermittent fasting supports in an, an optimized production of our own anti-aging hormone of growth hormone. So that's one mechanism. It also helps regulate um, blood sugar and insulin. And if that's an issue, it's very important that we get that fixed because that can accelerate the biological clock very quickly. Not everybody has that issue, but that's one of the things that is important to handle. Um, my co-founder of our company Clockwise, uh, the only thing she changed with her before and after test when she did her biological age test was managing her blood sugar and she reversed her age by two years as well. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if it's an issue, it's an important thing to fix. If it's not an issue, there's still benefits to the, to the intermittent fasting. So another one would be autophagy. So autophagy is where your body actually goes and breaks down like the old decrepit cells and then can reuse and recycle those proteins to build healthy new cells. But the autophagy is the, that self-eating of that, like breaking down the cells. So it also helps lower inflammation pretty quickly. Um, it's great for the gut for lowering gut inflammation and a lot of our our gut is very important for our health, for our immune system, for our reproductive health, um, for brain health. So, I mean, the whole body is connected, like literally yeah. everything, everything is connected to everything. Yeah. Um, and so, so there are three mechanisms that, that, and that I think that's a good start of like the autophagy, the growth hormone and the, um, the blood sugar regulation and inflammation. So I love that. And I think, you know, so many people I hear, they're like, I can't, you can't go without eating. Like it's so they, they, a lot of people, especially in the Midwest have this mindset of like, how could you ever go without a meal? <laughs> and it's, it's once your body gets used to it, it actually craves in my experience, it craves cleansing and it craves intermittent fasting and fasting. And, um, it's something that I look forward to so much. And it, you know, a side effect can be weight loss for people, but when you really hear this and you hear of all the other benefits, especially for the women who are, you know, struggling with infertility or, or cycle issues or whatever it may be, I mean, there's so many more benefits, um, than just weight loss or releasing inflammation. Uh, Definitely. But it's also important to note that, um, fasting can negatively impact reproduction. So it's, it makes, it's important to know like where you're doing it in your cycle. And if you're trying to conceive, I do not recommend fasting that, that month or that cycle. Let's talk, let's talk more about that. I want to dive into that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and, it, and it's also a very individualized thing. So if I have somebody who, you know, has, uh, like hypoglycemia, adrenal issues, hypothyroidism, they might not 
for them to fast, it might actually create more stress in their system initially. So we need to handle some underlying mechanisms, get the cells healthier. You know, it's kind of like a chicken or the egg thing. You know, if you can't fast, you know, how do we help support the cell? There's other ways to do that. But, but sometimes somebody's in a metabolic state where like it'll shoot up their cortisol or their epinephrine if their blood sugar gets too low because their liver isn't healthy enough to be able to support blood sugar balance. Um, and in that case, we don't want to create more stress in the system. So we need to handle some things before someone can fast healthfully. Um, and the other way to do that is to ease into it. So, you know, if you're not already doing a 12, 12, which, you know, in California, I think everybody's probably doing a 12, 12, but exactly. like in exactly. Chicago, <laughs> it might be a different story. Um, where in the Midwest are you from? I'm from Montana, Montana. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, so then, you know, gently extending the fasting window. So maybe 14 hours, see how that goes for a little bit, give the body time to adjust. Um, and then also like when, you know, for hormones, it's helpful for, for women to have some carbohydrates, especially the week before our periods. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it helps make progesterone, you know, obviously you want to make healthy choices. And, and we also want to have enough caloric intake so that it's not um, affecting ovulation because food is, um, you know, one of the signals from the environment that tells us if it's safe to reproduce or not. Mm-hmm. So if the body thinks there's not enough food and that that baby wouldn't survive because it's, it's not sensing that there's enough food coming into the body, it takes a lot of energetic, uh, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of biological resources, time, nine months, um, to create another human. So if there's anything, any signals in the body that are like this, thing that we're making might not survive outside of the body, the body's going to not try and it's going to try not to reproduce. It's going to try and reserve those resources for when there, there is more food or less danger. And so I see this a lot, both on the the psychological stress side with women, but also um, it can happen on the food side. If there's too much fasting or fasting at the wrong times of the cycle, right. um, it can negatively impact uh, ovulation, fertility, progesterone, et cetera. So it's kind of like an individualized thing. Um, but I would say if we, if we had to make a few recommendations and I am not anybody's doctor here, um, if you want to work with me, you can, but, or we, you know, we have clockwise and the the rewise course and everything, but, um, you know, in general, take it slow, listen to your body, um, you know, and get some help. If you, if you, you know, aren't quite sure what's right for you. What's the, the longest, I know you said you did a couple five day fasts. What's, what's the longest before it actually becomes detrimental to fertility to fast at, a, at one time, is it a 48 hour window before, you know, you start getting negative effects, positive effects. Is it two days, three days? What would it look like? Um, well, so it, it, de- it, it depends <laughs> of course, of course, <laughs> certain things. So the five day fasts that I did, I did the fasting mimicking diet. So I was still having little bits of food. Um, I used a kit called the prolong kit. Um, and, and it's specifically designed to get you into autophagy and into ketosis with it. I, I joke, it's like 80% of the effectiveness of a water fast with like only 20% of the suffering. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I've done three day water fasts. Um, you know, I haven't done, I have friends and colleagues who've gone and done like 40 days at true North and different fasting centers. And it's, it's, you could, it depends on where you are in your cycle. And it also depends there's like how long, um, 
you're going to have, and what's interesting in the research is there is a short-term decrease in some of these like fertility hormones and like the signaling from the pituitary to the ovaries. Um, but in a lot of cases it bounces back so that it's called hormesis. So we do a shorter term stress. So a couple of days, three days, five days, again, not the cycle where you're actually trying to conceive, but you know, three months before this would be great to do Mm -hmm. to help reset the system. Um, like, and I've had women who have like histories of eating disorders, which, you know, definitely messes with fertility, but once they enter, you know, get their calories up and, and heal, they get pregnant very easily. So, um, there is the, you know, a few days to up to a week timed, you know, well, shouldn't affect fertility Mm long-term granted everybody's different, but, um, it's, it's fairly safe and the body adapts very well. But in that, you know, if, if I were to test hormones in that window, it would show like, you know, not good results, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. like, so, it, so it's important. Like if somebody goes and, and is looking at like a, you know, one of these like online hormone tests or whatever, and you like happen to take it while you're doing a five day fast, like, a, you know, a 24 hour fast shouldn't affect much 48 right. hours. Again, you know, you're going to have some alterations within that window, but your body's going to bounce back very quickly with the benefits. Um, but it's just important to know like when you're testing hormones and what right. things are doing. And, you know, I get to see all those numbers because I'm testing a lot of people all the time and, and at different times of the cycle. So did I answer your question? I don't yes. know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, re- you really did. It's, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where everybody, like you said, everyone's so different. Everyone's situation's so different. Their goal is so different. Like, I'm 27. I have no thought of having kids anytime soon. I'm not married. I'm single. So like for me, all of this is foreign for like optimizing fertility, but for so many women that I know, because most of my friends are in their thirties and forties, it's like the main thing that they're focused on right now. So it's, it's really interesting to, to learn what I'll be probably stepping into in the next five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have a, I have a curiosity about you know, obviously the world now versus 40, 50 years ago is very different where women have their careers. They're pursuing things in their early twenties where it used to be more normal and common to settle down, have kids early in their twenties. Now it's even mid to late thirties, even sometimes early forties. What is, and this might just be a question that should be known by me, but I don't know it. What is like prime fertility age now? And is it any different than it was 30, 40, 50 years ago. Like, has that shifted? Has like biology caught up in the female body to the progression of like us stepping into more business roles or work roles? I would say no. I would say, unfortunately, we're dealing with, we're working against biology right now. And what my company is working to do is is figure out how to fix that. So I think it's beautiful that women are waiting longer to have babies. Um, I think we have more life experience, more emotional stability, financial stability, relationship stability. There's more we can offer to that little human um, as we guide them or, yeah, you know, through, through life. Um, And at this point in, in history, we are figuring out how to handle the biology because, um, you know, female hormones are different than male hormones. And, you know, we also have a like monthly cyclical, experience of, um, you know, different energy levels, different emotional states, Mm -hmm. different physical capabilities and, um, modern society was, you know, we're very far removed from the earth and our bodies evolved for hundreds of thousands of years to 
be in touch with the earth and be in connected and in cycle with the earth. And, and so connecting back to the earth can, can solve a lot of these problems actually. Um, but as we, and I don't think it's so much that we're waiting longer. I think it's more modern society, more toxins, poor, like poorer nutrition, um, more stress. Like these are the things that we were not designed to deal with on a daily basis. And so I think it's, it's yes, we're waiting longer, but we're waiting longer with more of these exposures and more of these risk factors, like an uphill climb Yeah, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so that's why I think it's so important for women to start 10 years before they want to have babies of like, am I getting sunlight at the right times? How is my sleep? Because the more years you have of not being in this optimal health state, the faster your, you know, fertility curve kind of starts to go down. Um, but if you are connected to nature, you're eating super well, you're doing, you know, fasting on some sort of regular schedule, exercise is great stress, you know, all the different components, love is important. Joy is important. Pleasure is important. Don't get me wrong. Those are parts of, of course. <laughs> health. um, then, then it's easier for your biology to maintain, um, your fertility much longer. What are some of the, um, I know you said you did keto and that reversed your biological age quite a bit in partnership with a lot of other things for people struggling with fertility. They're not able to get pregnant. They're looking into IVF or additional options. What are some of the, um, maybe just like a handful of things that they could focus on incorporating into their diet that might be able to support the process? Yeah. Um, my favorite, (laughs) And everybody cringes when I say this is liver. Oh, has to be, has to be grass fed. Otherwise it's not worth touching. Um, and there's ways to get it in if you don't eat it. Like I got my sister to make me a pate and we were both like, "Mm, yeah, we'll go back to the supplement. (laughs) Um, you know, but some people love it. Um, but it had, I mean, and there's a number of reasons. So it has, um, a lot of what we call like methyl factors, meaning, methylation is, is part of this process of looking of what determines your biological age. So it's great for biological age. It's great for fertility. It has a lot of choline. It has all these fat soluble vitamins that we can't necessarily get in a lot of other places. Um, you know, B12, uh, it's, it's a totally a superfood, totally super. So that was actually one of the things that was the biggest thing I did when, I had this more recent stint of reversing my biological clock because I was like about my age in December. And then when I retested in mm, like February, that was like a big, it was like three or four years of a reversal right there. Wild. And and I used a product called Pluck Seasoning. So it's dehydrated organ meats. It's got like, so you're getting like CoQ10 and like all these antioxidants that people take like lots of pills to get. Um, Liver is is a great source of, of all of those. Um, and then that brings me to other like antioxidants, like green tea is fantastic. So like three cups a day is fantastic. Um, part of the issue though, is like when somebody's struggling, you know, we can look at the basics. So like, I'll just like spit them off really quickly. So there's food, fasting, fitness, associated conditions. So that's going to be things like blood sugar, PCOS, um, mm-hmm genetic things like an MTHFR mutation, which has to do with how you convert your, your folate or your B9 into a bioavailable form, um, sleep supplements, stress, toxins, and trauma. So like kind of, those are the big categories that I work with all of my couples on. And that's also part of our rewise course, which is where we teach women and men to rewind the biological clock for better health and better fertility. 
Um, so looking at all those categories and figuring out where you're not helping yourself already. So one of the things I see is stress is such a big thing. And like the mind body connection is huge. And so if there had to be like one area of like, start here, it would be the mind body connection. Cause if the body doesn't feel safe, nothing's going to work well, um, including fertility. Yeah. And so, um, I would say that's probably the, the biggest thing, but it's also a matter of like, you know, there's a lot of different reasons that somebody could not be getting pregnant. So I think a very, I mean, it, there's like the two components. So cultivate those foundations of health. Like look at all those things that we just talked about and figure out where you can make the biggest impact for yourself. But then also like, if you've already been struggling for a little while, it makes sense to get help, like get support, get yeah. testing done. Is it a nutrient deficiency issue? Is it a stress issue? Is it a hormone issue? And being able to kind of like pinpoint what's going on, we can get results very quickly. And I think that's why I've had such good results in my practice. Cause I'm doing tons of testing. So like precision right. medicine, tons of diagnostics and figuring out what is it for this person? Mm. Cause it's not like the same for everybody. It might be like, I think everybody should eat liver. Not everybody agrees with me. Um, you know, but we take a supplement. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then you, you definitely have like the vegan camp and the keto, you know, there's all these right. different philosophies. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm really an individualist of like, what's actually going to work for that person in front of me. Love that. I love that. I mean, it's such a, again, like I said, the friends that I have that work with you, they're just, they're over the moon with you because, Aww. because, and I think that the best in the world, nothing's cookie cutter. It's not like, here's your answer because there's so many factors. And I mean, you know, I hear of people who are literally the unhealthiest people and they're the most fertile people. And at some level that has to be like genetic, right? There's genetics definitely play a role, but we, because of what's called epigenetics, we do have a lot more control, but it's, Mm. I remember being in, in naturopathic medical school and they draw like a triangle on the board. So it's like one line of the triangle is, um, like genetics and one line is the environment. And then the, the man, I can't remember geometry right now. It's like the Pythagorean (laughs) theorem. It's like a right angle and then a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, and then, so like this one is the, yeah, is, um, you know, is health. And so if you have really great genetics, maybe you don't have to work so hard on the environment piece, meaning what you eat, drink, breathe, touch, think, and feel, but you can have, you know, not great genetics and you do all the right things and you can still have a long, healthy, fertile life. Mm. And so, you know, we don't always know what we get in the genetic lottery because even what mom and dad have, you may have inherited some of that or not some of that. And with epigenetics, those genes may be turned on or turned off. Yeah. That's what we're actually working on uh, with biological ages, turning the good genes on and the bad genes off or up or down. They're kind of more like volume knobs than just a switch. But um, what's also cool is then we then pass those good changes down to our babies. Right. So, you know, you're one, it's like, can we get pregnant on our timeline? But two, everything that you're doing four months or more before is affecting that child's health for the rest of their life. So it's actually like you have an opportunity right now before you're pregnant to set, set that child up for the best health of their entire life. It's amazing. That's so, I mean, it's the ripple effect. That's so, it's so incredible. So for, for people who are maybe struggling with infertility or they're not able to get pregnant, I would love if you can kind of talk to all of us as if we have no idea what IVF is, when is that something that comes into play? Cause I do have a lot of friends that have um, been a part of that. They've done that, or they've, they've worked in that arena. So can you explain that process of like, when that comes into play, what it is and all of that. Okay. So IVF is extracting an egg or usually multiple eggs from the woman and extracting 
semen and sperm from the male, putting the sperm and the eggs together in what we think of as like a Petri dish, <gasps> making an embryo, which is the, the start of a baby. And then putting that embryo back into the woman's uterus to grow and, and make a baby. Um, it in some cases is necessary. So for example, if, um, like for, if the woman doesn't, uh, if she has an issue with her fallopian tubes where the egg can't actually get to the, get down into the uterus or where the sperm can't get up to meet the egg. So if there's a structural issue that would make IVF necessary right away. Mm -hmm. Um, there's also ways to try and heal those fallopian tubes. And sometimes it's more successful than others, but that would be a scenario where it would be required. Um, or a colleague of mine, her husband, they found like almost zero sperm and there was also a structural issue, but they were able to like go in and actually extract from like where the sperm are created. And they were able to get her, her own genetic Whoa. baby. But again, she had to do IVF. So it could be either partner. Usually there's some com combination of like optimization that's needed for both, but with IVF, usually, um, you know, where, if you're going to be starting with that, it's usually because of a structural issue. Mm. If there's no structural issue, typically, um, in conventional medicine, they'll have you try. And it also depends on age. So how long you try for is dependent on how old you are, which I think is kind of like a little bit goofy. Like the older you are, the shorter amount of time they give you. And mm. yes, but I also think like, why try for a year and, and struggle when we can just see what, you know, see what needs to be optimized on the front end before right. we wait a year. Um, but as far as like when to consider IVF, it's, it's a little bit of a different journey for every couple. Um, and if it's not a structural issue, if we're looking at more of like an egg quality issue and you have been trying for a year, you know, for some people, IVF is, is the way to go. Um, but there are things we can do to optimize those results. So one of the papers we know, one of the research papers did show that women with advanced biological age, meaning that even if they were like 35, if their biological age was 36, 37, 38 or older, they got poorer results on IVF um, than wow. somebody who was maybe, you know, 38, but their biological age was 38 or younger. So just that advance, the, just being biologically older, that cellular age gave poorer results. So again, it's like, if you're going to be considering it, do some testing up front to make sure that you're going to get the best results that you can. Because if you do come back older, take three months, rewind the biological clock right. and then go in knowing that you've done everything you can to improve your success rate. Right. Is that process hard on the body from a female perspective? Like the process of IVF, is it pretty taxing? I would say yes. I mean, obviously I haven't gone through it. I've seen a lot of patients go through it, but I've also had patients who've had multiple rounds of failed IVF and then we got them pregnant naturally. So, wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's forcing the body to, um, it's, it's like a, it's, you're stimulating the ovaries to produce a lot of eggs, hoping that you get enough good quality eggs that will make an, an embryo that's healthy enough to then implant. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's hormones, there's, uh, I mean, multiple injections, multiple medications that are being used to completely manipulate the, the hormones and the physiology. And it's definitely taxing on the system. It's taxing on the liver because the liver has to then process whether they're using synthetic or bioidentical or whatever. It's, it's definitely a load on the body and, and psychologically it's quite stressful on the body and the heart, mm -hmm. um, especially if it doesn't work the first time. And most, you know, I'm not going to say most of the time it doesn't, but oftentimes couples need two, three or more rounds in order to, um, you know, to get their baby. 
Mm -hmm. Is the test that you run on all of, I'm sure you run so many different tests, but is the clockwise fertility wise or the the fertility wise test, Mm -hmm. is that what you have people do if they're like not going to be working with you and they just need some information? Like, can you talk about the clockwise test? Yep. So fertility wise, I use both in practice and it's direct to consumer. So anybody can order it. Um, part, both partners can use it. It's pertinent for both female and males. We look at biological, we look at three different things. So we look at biological age, which is what we've been talking about cellular age. And we know that that's correlated with fertility outcomes specifically. Um, like I said, if your biological age is older, we have see poorer outcomes on egg freezing and IVF or anything where we're trying to get eggs out of the ovaries. Um, the second component of the test is called the Dunedin pace. And it's an aging speedometer. And it's actually looking at how fast your cells are aging in this moment. And why that's important is because one, it's good to know, like if your biological age is older and your speedometer is faster, like, okay, we got to turn the speedometer back. Um, But it's also important because if you retest and maybe the years haven't changed, but your speedometer went from 1.2, meaning you're aging faster than time to 0.8, meaning now you're aging slower than time. We know you're doing the right things. You just need to do them for a longer period of time in order for the years to fall off. Um, So that's the second component. The third component is a fertility toxin panel called clock tox. And what we know is these different toxins, there's nine different toxins that we look at. Um, when they're in, when they're present in the body, we do see poor fertility outcomes on egg freezing, IVF and natural conception as well. They're hormone disruptors or endocrine disruptors. You've probably heard that term. They also um, are associated with premature ovarian uh, insufficiency or premature ovarian failure, um, decreased egg quality. So we know these things age the ovaries, age the eggs, decrease egg quality and quantity. So you can see one, not only are they like in your system right now, but because we're looking at the DNA or the epigenetics, these little markers on the DNA, if these show up on our test, on the fertility wise test, you've actually been exposed enough that it's changing how your DNA is being expressed, which is kind of scary. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So then, you know, if they're present in your system, one, it's affecting your chances of conception and healthy conception. But two, a lot of these things in the system, we now are having research showing that like when mom's exposed to BPF, which is um, the toxic friend of BPA. So we're all like, oh, BPA free, but really they just replace BPA with BPF or BPS. Um, so you just got to go. Plastic <laughs> free. Yeah, exactly. No plastic people. Um, <laughs> but if mom was exposed to BPF while she was pregnant with a baby boy, which means like, you know, she was probably exposed before and then it's in her system when she gets pregnant, that baby boy at seven years old has a higher risk of different cognitive and behavioral issues. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's, that's like really, so, so people can literally get this test and take it at home, but are they actually able to understand the information they get back? Yes. Okay. So, so you get your three, your three chunks of information, the biological age, the speedometer, the pace and the different toxins. Um, and then it, and then I basically wrote the report, like I'm talking to a patient. So this is what it means. And then we give you the fast framework. So all the things that I listed out, food, fitness, uh, fasting, et cetera, then you have kind of like jumpstart points for each of those things of how to start rewinding the biological clock and getting the toxins out of your system. Wow. That's so incredible. 
That's incredible for, you know, for the people who are like, well, I can't invest in working with someone, you know, for an extended period of time. It's a great place for you to start. How, how old, maybe, I, I guess, how old or like biologically old would you recommend someone start focusing and looking at their fertility and, and all of these things? So I would say if there's any chance of wanting babies, like do a screening now, Mm -hmm. because sometimes we find someone in their mid twenties who does have a fertility issue that if we didn't find it for another five years could have made them infertile, but by finding it now, there's a lot we can do and we can, and that woman now has a a better, a much better chance of being a mother. Um, and then so, so I would say, you know, do a screening as soon as possible. Um, and like, I think, you know, five years before you want to conceive is a great time to jump in two years. I mean, we can kind of go like, I think forever, you should always be focusing. Oh, on this, but- I know. I'm like, I feel like the answer is like, just now, just start the answer now. Is now for yeah. sure. And like, if I had to say like, what's the minimum amount of time you should dedicate before you get pregnant? Like the very minimum would be like three to four months, ideally one to two years. And even more ideally would be like, you're just living the lifestyle of healthy, fertile, vibrant. Cause you're like, fertility is a byproduct of health. The healthier you are, the better you're going to feel anyway, the more energy you have for life. Yeah. You know, it kind of all goes together. So that's my official doctor opinion on that. (laughs) I love that. I love that answer. What is your advice to the women who are either struggling with fertility or are real, you know, found out they're infertile? Like what are some of the like more mindset and emotional practices that you can give the, obviously they, you know, you just gave so many great tools on like nutrition and fasting, but you know, when, when someone finds out they're infertile or have fertility issues and the chances are lower that they'll have a baby, like what, what kind of mindset can you like instill upon people to maybe embody to support them mentally? So I would say first, it's always okay to have hope. So just because a doctor tells you want something doesn't mean it's true. So get a second opinion and also seek out those who have had, you know, maybe we're going to call them like miracles, whatever, who have had success um, and let yourself be inspired. Same token, let yourself feel the emotions. So if there is like genuinely an issue and, and there's desperation, despair, like when I thought I was having, you know, mid thirties, single in LA, you know, wanting babies, you know, I (laughs) fertility death sentence, like obviously I'm not infertile and, and thankfully, but, um, you know, I let myself feel like, holy cow, like, what would it be like if I don't get to be a mother? And I, I went through a process of grieving that, um, Mm -hmm. during a plant medicine ceremony actually. Yeah. Was it, um, ayahuasca or psilocybin or ketamine? It was ayahuasca, Amazing. but I've, but I've uh, worked with all three of those. And I actually use ketamine in my practice for, um, mind body medicine as well. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a powerful medicine, but, um, so like honoring what you're feeling also knowing that, you know, have hope, seek out the, seek out those who've had success and you know, who they've worked with. And some of this is going to be specific to, to individuals 
and also get support on the mind body component. Cause like I could say like, Oh, do EFT or do, uh, you know, so like tapping or breath work or, you know, whatever different people are drawn to different things. It's not like there's like, Oh, everybody should do this one thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you called to like, listen to yourself. Your system knows better than any doctor. I promise you. Yeah. Um, but like one, one example is, um, quite a few years ago when I was still in San Diego, I had a couple and they had been trying for a year. She was like mid to late thirties, I think like 36 had been told at 19 that she had PCOS and would never get pregnant. Um, came to me in our first visit. I said, you know, everything that I see here, like, I don't see any reason why you can't get pregnant. Like you've changed your lifestyle. You completely like you're in a completely different state of health. Like, yeah, you're you know, 17 years older than you were, but your health is probably 20 years younger. Um, so that was our first appointment. Uh, we drew a bunch of labs cause I'm like, let's, you know, let's see what's going on. Our second appointment, we did just a mind body appointment and ended up finding. So she's like, Oh, I, you know, I'm having anxiety. And so what's the anxiety about? Oh, I have this like fear of abandonment. And it wasn't like this simple. Like there was like a, process course, a lot of breakdown, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so it's like, okay, fear of abandonment. Where did that come from? And she found this memory that she had completely forgotten about where her brothers took her out to the woods at age five and left her there. So you have this trauma of actual abandonment and then her husband's in the military Mm. off on tour. So there's this, he's gone all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Daily trigger of fear of abandonment. So it's like, of course her body doesn't feel safe of like being able to bring a baby into the world. So what we did is we actually went and, um, used a a process called the active release technique from a a body of work called body talk and, um, worked with that original memory. And literally the next time I saw them, so they were supposed to come in to like review their labs. They, they got pregnant before I could even go through their labs with them. No way. Yeah. And then I'm looking at their labs and I'm like, "Mm, yeah, there were some things that I like, you know, would have thought this would have taken longer, but like, awesome. So that's the power of the mind. So energetic too. Wow. It seems like you kind of will go anywhere with people. Like you'll, you'll go where you need to go to get results. With people. Totally. I've taken women out to the woods and we've done primal scream therapy. Like, oh my God, I love you. <laughs> That's amazing. And okay. So I, I don't, I don't want to keep you too long, but now that you said <laughs> you use ketamine in your practice, what have you found as far as results using ketamine? So I don't use ketamine with my fertility mamas as much because there is an impact on the liver and it is something that the body then needs to process out unless the, unless it's absolutely necessary for her, for that mind body component. But in general, what I have found, I mean, I've had patients who were suicidal for, you know, six months and in one session, they feel like themselves again. Um, I've had patients who, um, have, we've gotten off of things like Prozac and, and other mood stabilizing meds that they've been on for a decade wow. and, and now ha- like wake up in the morning and feel like excited about life. Um, Amazing. yeah, I've had patients who like, feel like they've like found their purpose and then that allows them, like, they're not necessarily like changing a job or like changing anything outwardly in their life, but the way they approach their life is with so much more peace and purpose and joy, knowing that like, there's a purpose, <laughs> you know? That's so, incredible. so it's been everything from like, you know, shifting really heavy states of being to communing with the divine and, and oneself. And I do it in a very ceremonial setting. So, you know, it, if you go to a ketamine clinic, oftentimes you're like in a room with a blood pressure cuff, like, oh, yeah. you know, on like a medical <laughs> table, you know, in a chair, you know, 
It's not very um, relaxing. <laughs> yeah. And, and I do it. I have a sound healer who works with me for our small groups and who we also do some one-on-ones together. And, um, and it, you know, we, say prayers and we open sacred space and we ask for support from the ancestors and whatever beings that person works with. And, um, you know, and then integration is obviously super important as well. And so we do, you know, immediate and then a little bit later as well, but, um, you know, just life-changing experiences. That's amazing. I'm just so blown away by you. I'm like, you are, you are like a, do what you got to do to help and impact women and men's lives. And I think that's so special. And what you're doing is just incredible. I'm, I'm grateful for you. Yes. So where can, where can people find you work with you, get information, the clockwise test, all of this. Yeah. So on Instagram, it's at clockwise fertility clockwise with a Z because I'm Dr. Z I'm at Dr. Zagoni, D-R-Z-A-G-O-N-E. Um, we're clockwise.com for the test and, um, you can reach out through any of those, uh, avenues. Thank you so much, Catherine. I really, or Dr. Zagoni, sorry. <laughs> good, all good. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm so grateful that you came on the pod. I feel like we could come back and do a whole other episode on like plant medicine and all of this. Cause it's totally. about something I've been diving into. So you're welcome back anytime. And thank you. Um, if you guys want to go check her out, uh, reach out to her on Instagram, go check out her website. And I'm just so grateful for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing in the world and bringing all the, the knowledge and the wisdom and sharing it with your audience. Of course. Thank you so much. Bye guys. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Prism podcast episode this week. It means so much that you got to the end of this episode. I want to acknowledge you for tuning in to grow yourself every single week. So if you loved this episode, leave a rating and a review. Please subscribe so that I know that you're loving this content and I will see you next week.